Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, we have been, as uh, most of you know who have been around uh, for the last several weeks, been doing a, an Advent series where we've been looking at uh, different aspects of Jesus. We've been looking at Jesus uh, as prophet, uh, Jesus as priest, and Jesus uh, as a king. And today we're going to look at Jesus uh, as our servant. I don't know if you've ever thought about Jesus that way, uh, that there is a sense in which uh, Jesus has served us. And so we want to take a brief look at that here this morning. So um, we're going to be in John chapter 13. If you have a Bible, you can open there. Uh, and as you're opening there, I want, to, I want to set this up with a passage out of Mark chapter 10. So there was a moment uh, in the ministry of Jesus where a couple of brothers named James and John uh, came to Jesus. Um, let me just read Mark ten thirty-five to 45. You don't have to turn there. Uh, but it says that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And so you have these brothers who have a bit of audacity about them. And they come to Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of all things, and say, Jesus... We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you, <laughs> which that statement in and of itself is a pretty bold statement. And of course, Jesus doesn't scold them. He just asks them, well, what would you like me to do for you? <laughs> and they tell him, we have a plan. Our plan is that in glory, one of us is going to be your number one and one of us is going to be your number two. We've already got this figured out, right? <laughs> and so Jesus being gracious as he does tells them not like it doesn't work that way. There, there's already a plan in place. <laughs> Uh, for how this is going to go down. And then we pick up the passage. It says that when the ten, the other disciples, heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. So the other two, the other ten are like, what the heck, guys? If anybody's going to be number one and number two, we weren't consulted about this. And Jesus called to them and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We reference this quite a bit. That Jesus, again, King of kings, Lord of lords, Alpha Omega, beginning and the end, the creator of all things, came not to be served. And if there were Anybody ever in all of creation that deserves to be served, it's Jesus. But, but he didn't show up on scene saying, come and serve me. He showed up on scene to serve us. And we're going to look at that today. But I, I was, spent some time thinking this week, trying to, trying to think of, do I have any just real life examples of, of exemplary uh, service? Self-sacrificing service. And there was one example that came to my mind of just what it looks like. And it's a far cry from the service that Jesus does for us. 
but, but I've just been stewing on it this week uh, of this example in my life. And I think of my grandma. My grandma just turned 91. We had celebrated Christmas Eve last night um, with my grandma. When my grandpa was at the end of his life, he was on hospice for 18 months. But before that, you know, he he'd had a stroke and just there were things that he couldn't do for himself. And for a long time, uh, my grandma served my grandpa like I've never seen anybody serve anybody. She did for him the things that he couldn't do for himself. She fed him, she clothed him, she cleaned him, and refused to put him in a care facility, which really would have been better for her. Um, You know, she exerted herself. I mean, she wasn't young when this happened. And day in and day out, she would do, do all of the things for my grandpa that he couldn't do. And more than that, there was a period where daily my mom and I would go to grandma's for lunch. She would make lunch every day for all of us uh, so we could sit there and have lunch with her and, and my grandpa. And, and my grandpa, he, he was a jokester his whole life. That's uh, one of the things I love about my grandpa. And I think just to get a rise out of grandma and a laugh at us, there were times during lunch, he couldn't speak very much. It would be, it'd be hard for him to, to say anything towards the end of his life, but he could get some things out once in a while. And, and once in a while at lunch, he would, he would say, I, I want dessert. And my grandma's very health conscious. My grandpa was diabetic, so she managed his diet, you know, most of his life. And they, they ate very well and, you know, healthy. And uh, so for grandma, for grandpa to say, I want dessert was kind of un, unheard of. And so he could get that out of his mouth once in a while. And, you know, she would have to, you know, physically put the spoon or the fork to his mouth. And, and he would just clench his lips if he didn't want it to the point where she would get so frustrated and throw down the spoon and say, fine, and she'd get him his bowl of ice cream or, you know, whatever. And, and that was just grandpa's way. But, but she did this for him for a long time. And she would transport him from, you know, his chair in the TV room into a wheelchair to, to wheel him in to the dinner table, you know, to get his food and whatnot. And, um, you know, grandma's not real strong. Grandpa wasn't a real big guy, but, you know, once in a while he'd slide to the floor because she wasn't strong enough to transport him to his chair. And so she'd call me and say, you know, grandpa's on the floor again. Can you come over and pick him up? And so I'd drop what I was doing and I'd go pick him up. And, you know, she'd have a pillow under his head and covered up with a blanket. And he'd just be comfortable on the floor. And my grandma made sure of that. She worked really hard to make sure that his dignity was intact. There, there were certain tasks that just were off limits to anybody else that, that only grandma would do because she wanted to make sure that grandpa didn't lose his dignity. And as I'm thinking about Jesus and how he served us, this has been the example for me this week. Jesus doing things for us that we cannot do and would not do for ourselves. So we jump into John 13, starting in verse 1. It says that now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That's a big statement. We could probably spend all of our time just on that statement today. We won't, but there's a lot there. As Jesus' time was drawing near, just days from the end of His time on this earth, 
days from an excruciating, painful death, days from Him taking the sin of all mankind upon Himself. We're told that He knew. He knew that His hour had come. He knew that this was coming. What would you do if you knew that, that you were just days from the end? Right? We'd probably be checking things off of our bucket list. We, we'd go places that we wanted to go. We'd see people who we hadn't seen in a long time. Maybe we'd make amends for things that have been hanging out there for a long time. Maybe we'd blow what was in our bank account on experiences or, or, or whatever. And we're told that Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart from this world and that He loved His own who were in the world and that He did so until the end. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. This is Jesus' mission in coming to the earth is to love His own and to love them until the end. John 17, Jesus tells us that that He has not lost any that the Father had given to Him. He, He had completed His mission, this aspect of His mission on this earth, loving His own who were in the world, doing so until the end. And so, we see His mission, and then we see Him model what this looks like in verses 2-5. to During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. And He laid aside His outer garments, taking a towel, and He tied it around His waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, some of us might be familiar with this passage, and I think sometimes what what actually is happening here can get lost on us. So we're told that they were eating supper. We're told that the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. We're told that Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into His hands, that He'd come from God and that He was going back to God. And, and we can assume from this that, that Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray Him. What would you do if you were sitting at supper with somebody who had betrayed you or had wronged you or you knew that they were going to wrong you? Jesus knew this. And He gets up during dinner, says He laid aside his outer garments, and he took a towel and tied it around his waist, and he stooped and he poured water in a basin and began washing the disciples' feet. This might sound a little weird to us because this isn't really a culturally relevant thing to us, the washing of the feet. But, but you have to understand, back in this day, right, closed, closed shoes weren't a thing, right? They were sandals. And paved roads weren't a thing. It was dirt roads. And because of Camels and livestock, they were probably dung on the roads. And, and so, like a person's feet were kind of gnarly back in this day. And it would be customary when you would go to someone's house that maybe they would have their servant wash your feet, maybe near the front door when you came into the house. And so this was a menial task. It was a nasty task, a job that nobody wanted, reserved for servants. And Jesus, again, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of all things, gets up during supper and puts a towel around his waist, stoops down and begins to wash 
the disciples' feet. And he cleans them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So taking the dirt and the grime and the dung and all the nastiness and the grossness, washing it off of their feet with a towel that's tied around his own waist, thereby kind of taking on their dirt upon himself. Don't let that be lost on us, what's happening here. And then Peter, we, we all love Peter, right? Peter, up until about Acts chapter 2, was not all that impressive of a guy. He would kind of, you know, ready, shoot, aim, you know, type of a guy, would say whatever was on his mind. And, um, you know, I would imagine that there was a lot of head shaking towards Peter at times. And so Peter in verse 6 says, When Jesus came to Simon Peter, the Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing to you, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share in me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was about to betray him. And that's why he said, Not all of you are clean. And so Peter, being indignant as Peter can be, says, who are you to wash my feet? Like Peter's kind of rightly thinking about this, I think, in the moment, at least to some extent. Maybe not fully understanding quite yet who Jesus is, but, but having an understanding of who Jesus is. Knowing that this task of, of the washing of the feet is, is relegated to the lowest of the low, to servants, Peter says, no, like, why are you doing this? And Jesus tells him, you, you don't understand, you don't get what's going on here, Peter. And so then Peter says, well, okay, fine then, don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. And Jesus trying to make Peter understand, but Peter maybe not being ready yet to fully understand, tells him that if I don't wash you, then you have no share with me. And don't let this be lost on us either. Jesus is talking about more than just washing feet here when he makes this statement. Jesus is doing more than just washing feet in this act of service. Philippians chapter 2 tells us of the humility of Jesus that, that he considered others to be better than himself. And we're called in that passage to have the same mind among us that we would, like Jesus, consider others better than ourselves. that for the Christian, that a life of service is how we emulate our Savior. A life of service to those even who don't deserve it, and even more than that, service to those who have wronged us. We're told here that Jesus knew who was to betray Him. And do you know what? His feet got washed too. The feet of the betrayer got washed as well. And so when Jesus says that if I don't wash you, you have no share in me, again, this is more than about feet. Jesus is showing us something here. We're told His mission was to love those till the end and that He completed that mission. We see that He modeled for us what that mission looks like, at least in part, as He stooped down and took a lowly servant's position to wash the feet of the disciples including the one who would betray him. Jesus isn't in his last days checking things off of his bucket list. 
Jesus isn't blowing his bank account on selfish things. He's serving those whom he came to serve. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of all things, serving those who ultimately don't deserve to be served by him. Yet he does. We find ourselves here, so okay, all well and good, this cultural thing that happened, but what, what does that mean to us here in 2022 as we celebrate Christmas and celebrate the birth of our Lord? Jesus' statement, if I do not wash you, you have no share in me, was true back then and it's true for us today. We're, we're a bunch of people with dirty feet. We're people with grimy, gross, gnarly feet. And the only cure for our gnarly feet is that that Jesus wash our feet so that we would have a share with Him. And so, why do we celebrate the coming of our Lord? We celebrate the coming of our Lord because He came to do this for us. He came to do something for us that we couldn't do on our own. He came to do something for us that even if we could do it for ourselves, we wouldn't do it for ourselves because we like our dirty, grimy feet. And it's important that we understand that that if Jesus doesn't wash us, if He doesn't cleanse us, if He doesn't take care of the problem that we can't take care of, we don't have a share with Him. And so I want to encourage you today that this not be lost on us in the midst of the Christmas uh, chaos that sometimes can ensue, just the busyness of the holiday season. That Jesus came to serve us, Jesus came to wash us, And He now, the Bible tells us, sits at the right hand of the Father and He intercedes for us. He continues to serve us in what He does for us. If He doesn't wash us, we don't have a share with Him. What greater gift could we be given as humanity than than the service of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the Creator of all things? has given us the gift of cleansing us. Jesus came, as as we've talked about in the last weeks, He came to ultimately die, to give His life as a ransom for many, as Mark reminds us. He came to wash us, to cleanse us with His own blood, to cleanse our sins. He came to take on the wrath of God for the sin of mankind. He came to reconcile an unrighteous people to a righteous and holy God. He came to reconcile a sinful people to a sinless God. Again, doing for us things that we could never do for ourselves. The ultimate act of service. Nobody has served humanity in this way except Jesus Christ. So you hear us preach here a lot the truth of the gospel. We, we throw out the word gospel a lot. This is the gospel that Jesus has done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We, we can't be clean enough on our own. We can't work hard enough. We can't do enough. We can't serve Him enough in order to rectify this problem of our gnarly, gross, dirty feet. Unless He cleanses us, then we have no share of Him. 
gather with your family today, this week, exchange gifts, and, and remember the greatest gift that we have been given is Jesus Christ and what He's done for us. And that if we are cleansed by Him, if we are washed by Him, then we can have a share with Him. And that, that's the beauty of Christmas. That's the beauty of what we celebrate. It's why we do what we do. In verse 11, Jesus tells His disciples that not all of you are clean. And He was referring in this instance to Judas who was going to betray Him. But we're reminded that, that there, there are a world full of kind of dirty people out there for lack of a better way to say it. The Bible tells us that we were once dirty people and now we're clean people because of what Jesus has done for us. And so don't be offended by all the other dirty people out there. Go tell the other dirty people how it is that they can get clean. Right? That, that's our, our service as Christians to do in similar manner what Jesus has done for us and to go, to go find the people with dirty, grimy, gnarly, nasty feet to show them how they can get their feet cleaned, right? So that they too, like we, can have a share with Him. So Jesus, our servant, making a way for the unclean to become clean. So that's what we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas, the gift of righteousness that we get uh, that is alien to us, that is not inherent to us, that's given to us by another so long as we put our faith and our trust in Him to do exactly that for us. And so don't miss out on that aspect of Christmas and don't let that be lost on us. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, this morning we're grateful. We're grateful that you have done things for us that we could never do for ourselves. We're grateful that you as the creator of all things, the one who holds the universe together, stepped into human flesh so that you could serve humanity. And so God, I pray that you would help us to be reminded of that today. Help us to be uh, ones who even spread that message uh, as we gather for the holidays and we celebrate this truth. And we pray for our family and our friends and our loved ones, people that are close to us who don't know you, uh, that they would come to know you and that you would help us as far as it is up to us, uh, that we would be uh, people who would deliver the message of the gospel uh, in the circles that you've put us in. God, we're thankful that you uh, have cleansed us we're thankful that you have made a way to reconcile us to a holy God. We're thankful that you uh, have and will love us until the end. So God, help us to celebrate these things this holiday season, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.